Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Reed Muscola, founder of Paranoia Rising Games, a Toronto-based publisher whose mission is to publish games that have quality components, evolving storylines, replayability, and deep social interaction. Their first game, Vigilante, launched this week on Kickstarter. Reed, welcome to the binge. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks. Doing great. A fellow great. Canuck, a fellow yes. Canadian. I love it. <laughs> big, big community of board game designers in uh, in Canada, for sure. Especially in the Toronto, you're in the Toronto area, right? So I am. Yeah, I'm right in Toronto. Huge, huge uh, community. Uh, I'm sure I, I know your face looks very familiar. I'm sure I ran mm -hmm. into you in one of the mm -hmm. uh, snakes and lattes uh, test nights mm -hmm. or something over the past couple of years, maybe at the uh, breakout con. So yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty intimate group. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a large country. Uh, there's a lot of developers, but it's amazing how many times you see somebody's face you're like, Hey, I, 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 I remember we met each other before. So that's awesome. Congratulations, man. You launched your, uh, campaign literally less than two days ago, already hit 124 backers. It's probably even more since we started the, my, you know, the podcast, I got that number about an hour ago, 67% of your goal. Um, you are well, and obviously the math, anybody that knows the math of these things, you're well on your way to fund. I don't think it's a question of whether you're going to fund or not. It's just how much further you can stretch past that goal, which is pretty exciting. So as a fellow Canadian, Let's start off with how this all came about. So you, uh, what, what's your day job? What do you do? Uh, so I work for Mer Mercedes. Um, I'm project manager. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess what kind of carries over is, uh, is attention to detail and <laughs> being aware of timelines. And So yeah, is just, it, now hopefully there's no like uh, car smashing graphics or anything like that. No, none of that. No, <laughs> no. There's clear separation. Just superheroes and villains. You get to work. They're like, "Hey, what the hell, Reed? What's going on?" <laughs> 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 so, and then, so, how, when did you start playing games? When when did you get into gaming? Um, when I was a kid, uh, got into board games. Um, I remember my brother always used to bring these weird European board games uh, back home, and uh, I try to remember like Zularetto and Catan and all those games when they came out. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I actually got into uh, trading card games competitively, kind of through uh, the end of high school and kind of through my early adulthood. And uh, yeah, that's a trading card games. And then when I got, uh, I felt like I was maybe too old for that. I mean, not, not that you can be too old for that, but <laughs> I felt like I was too old for that. I, uh, I switched to board games. Maybe I, maybe it became less competitive, I don't know. And were you doing like house rules or anything like that? Like, is that part of your history of, you know, taking a game and saying, you know, I want to modify this and kind of fix something I don't like with it or? Um, not so much house rules, but actually um, I found there were a lot of games that I would like to be out there that weren't. Um, a lot of uh, themes that I felt kind of, there was a lot of, a lot of room for, uh, room for new games. And so that was, uh, that was kind of the impetus of saying, okay, you know, there, there's a gap in the market and uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the guy to, to fill it. Now you make a pretty bold claim in, in your company description when you talk about, you know, we're going to quality components and, you know, having social interactions. So you've kind of stuck your stake in the sand, so to speak, right. Where you, you know, on, especially in the social interactions. So is that, 
Like, will that stand now for every game you launch is going to have some kind of social deduction component to it or? Almost every game. Um, so the next one, not so much after Vigilante. Uh, but after that, we've got another one that, uh, yeah, back to social deduction. And then why did you decide to get into publishing? So, you know, that's kind of a crazy thing to do, right? It's a huge time sponge. Um, you know, rarely do people you know, do it as a full-time job, right? It's usually, uh, I think one of our prior guests called it a jobby where it's, you know, it's a hobby, but it's, it's really a full-time job hobby um, job. that doesn't pay really well. Why, why did you get into publishing? What was the, uh, what was the hook? Well, I mean, I just, I started designing um, and I did the silly thing and I bought artwork pretty early on. And then I realized I've got this artwork. I'm probably not going to be pitching this game. <laughs> so I got deeper and then I got deeper. And at that point, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do this. <laughs> it seemed to make sense. And uh, so for this particular game, how did you come up with the idea? Um, so the idea, um, actually, the story has kind of been um, something I've, I've been kind of building in my head over, over a while. Um, I, I mean, a long time ago, um, when I kind of started, it started kind of evolving in my head. I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I want to write a book. Um, but I've always been into games and, and I think I kind of wanted to bring that story uh, out through this game. Um, and yeah, I, I really think I'm a big superhero fan. Um, I love, uh, I love Marvel, I love DC. Um, and I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of good games out there, um, but there aren't a lot of good games that have a team element to them. Mm. Um, where you, you watch a lot of, uh, I mean, you watch the Avengers or Justice League or any, of, uh, or any TV shows these days. Uh, it's, it's all about a team of heroes and synergy. And um, I think that also lends itself to replayability because if you build a different team of heroes, the game's going to be different. And when I saw the, the artwork and, you know, was reading up on this game, it really made me think almost of that old TV show heroes that came out uh, you know, a decade or so ago where you've got kind of like regular people, but it's almost like heroes in real life. Right. So mm -hmm. less kind of fantastical. And uh, I mean, some of your artwork, which is beautifully done, by the way, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, these look like people like something like this would just break out in the middle of the, of the street. Right. Yeah. And two people start exactly. fighting and, and, and so forth. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, now, was this something that was entirely uh, like created like from from your mind or did you have advisors or did you have like colleagues that help you in the development process or how did that kind of come about? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the story, um, the story came from my mind. Uh, the design uh, initially came from my mind. But as you know, you uh, when you start playtesting, really, your game becomes a contribution of everyone that's played the game. Um, so yeah, so I think a lot of the, I, I think I, I owe a lot of the streamlined mechanics to a lot of the great people that played my game and giving feedback. Um, so the play testers and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll just make a comment. Cause I know we've got several people in the lobby watching, uh, someone was saying that the, uh, the link isn't working in the, um, uh, the event, uh, invite we have here, uh, rest assured. Thank you, Chandler for your, uh, for your observation. Uh, we will have that uh, super clean uh, by the time uh, our, within five minutes of our interview concluding. We'll put up a, a fresh link so everybody can get it. So when people go to back this game, which I hope you do, mm -hmm. click on the link and uh, 
and show uh, show Reed some love. So I'm going to share my screen for people that are actually uh, watching live uh, or watching a, a record afterwards. Can you kind of walk us through how to play the game? Like how how do you how do you play this game? Absolutely. Uh, so basically, um, this is one of one of those games where you've got a hidden role, um, and that uh, it's as simple as um, if you complete the mission on your hidden role, you win. So that mm -hmm. hidden role, as you can see here, is either good, evil, or neutral. Um, I love. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a big ultimate werewolf player, so I love neutral. I love third team. I love that whole concept of just that chaos that they bring to the game. <laughs> um, so the good, good and evil players have conflicting objectives. Um, so either the good players are going to win or the evil players are going to win. Uh, but the neutral player uh, can can basically uh, share a win. They're they're just kind of out for themselves. They kind of cause their own carnage in the game, um, and they 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 kind of just try to complete their own mission. Um, so uh, the way it works, it's it's uh, um, you're build you're building a team of heroes. So everyone starts with one hero, uh, and you're recruiting new heroes. You're fighting villains, taking damage, trying to make sure your team stays stays alive and healthy. Um, and uh, yeah, so as a good player, you're you're essentially um, so you're trying to get a to combined total of seven villains in your jail for every good player in the game, but. Uh, with some of the scenarios, because um, there are different different um, scenarios that will impact kind of the game, um, you won't necessarily know uh, if you're good. You won't necessarily know who else is good. So you have mm -hmm. to try and figure that out through the game. Um, and then, is there how do you so say you figure out somebody else is good? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure Johnny over to the right of me is is a good player. Mm -hmm the benefit of both of you now knowing is that now you can kind of work together to achieve like a communal goal then for the good guys. Is that kind of how that works? You got it. Yeah. So uh, there's different cards, uh, cards with player interact interaction through the game. So you're going to have some cards that will let other people draw cards. You'll have some cards that will heal other players and you'll have some cards that will damage other players heroes. So knowing that information really, uh, really helps kind of guide you to that. Um, it also, uh, knowing uh what count you've got um so if i've got six villains in my jail and i know you're good and you've got eight villains in your jail then i know that between us we've got that goal we just need to hold so we need to we need to uh, basically survive to the end of the game with with the villains that we've got in our jail and we've completed our, our goal and how do you capture the villains like what's the key mm -hmm. thing for capturing villains how do you do that so essentially you just fight them um and the way that works is the villains will come out they they attack first uh, you're going to have a matrix um, kind of on your player map of four heroes. So top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. And on the villain card, um, there's there's a matrix that shows you who takes what damage. So hero one takes one damage, hero two takes two damage. Um, so after the villain strikes, then you're going to add up the attack of all your heroes because your, your, your heroes are working as a team uh, and you, you need to meet or exceed uh, the villain's health. And if you do, uh, you beat the villain, uh, you might have to resolve an effect and then they go in your jail. And That's cool. As that. And when you, when you perform an action that, that impacts another player's um, heroes, is it obvious you're, you're doing it? Or is it kind of like one of those social deduction things where, oh, I didn't have a choice. I, 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 of the options I had, I had to play this. 
you know, I didn't want to attack your guy really. We're, you know, we're on the same team. I just, uh, it just happened. Is it kind of one of those things or? Yeah, uh, it definitely. Um, there's, there's some of that. And then there's some that, that is more, um, I'm making this active choice to damage your heroes. So you, you got a little bit of both. It reminds me of like Saboteur, which is one of my favorite games. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, but it just, the laughter you'll have around a table when, when you have somebody trying to tell you with a straight face. No, no. I, I start telling the opposite direction because I didn't have a choice. I'm trying to help you guys by going the mm -hmm. other way. Right. It's like, ah, come on, man. That's awesome. Yeah. There's also, I mean, there's um, uh, there, every, every player is going to have uh, allegiance tokens. So you can actually get perfect information through the game. Uh, so if you're good, you're going to have two good tokens. You're going to have one neutral and one evil. Um, so if anyone ever sees two of your allegiance tokens uh, and sees the same that you're good or that you're evil, yeah. then they know for sure you're on that team. Um, but the beauty of that is players can lie about that. So if I'm evil and I see one of your tokens and it says good, I can say that I saw an evil token. It's kind of like the secret Hitler game where someone's like, I, I, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what a fascist would say. Yeah. I drew three red policies. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. <laughs> so and my understanding too, the way those tokens work is you start off uh, at the beginning of the game, as you're kind of doing the initial setup, you kind of shuffle mm -hmm. them. Um, and then based on your card, you're then mm -hmm. picking out two tokens to represent your, either mm -hmm. your bad, good or neutral. And then you have one of the other two, either neutral or bad or, mm -hmm. or good. And then those kind of go, uh, you shuffle those and they go face down. So you don't even know really where your tokens are. So it's the other players yeah. that are kind of figuring that out. Exactly. So that you uh, won't even not know if I lied about your token. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how long does the game take to play? How long is the game? So uh, the average game is about an hour and a half. Um, nice. And is, and is now I know this is said, I think three to five players, mm -hmm. um, which I guess makes sense for uh, social deduction. I don't know how you do social deduction with two people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very quick game. I, I haven't You're guilty. It out yet. <laughs> if anyone knows, please tell me. <laughs> so have you done anything to try to pull some of these other groups in? So the, you know, the, the groups that I think on a previous version of this game, there was even six players. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes people are saying, Hey, can you, can you find a way of doing a two player game? what kinds of things have you done to try to accommodate those people? Or is it just like guys mm -hmm. to have the perfect social deduction game at this length, this is how we have to structure. Yeah. I, I initially, I tested a bunch of, uh, a bunch of options with two players and uh, really couldn't find anything that was up to par with the quality of the three to five uh, player scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um and with six players, it was actually a little bit too long because it's not um, it's not so much a pure social deduction game um, like Avalon or like Werewolf um, or like Secret Hitler, um, but it's a um, really more of a, uh, a like a game, a strategy game with social deduction kind of intertwined. Mm. Um, so it's longer than than like sitting down to play Avalon, yeah. um, but there's more depth to it. It kind of reminds me a little bit like as an analogy would be like Catan, right? If mm -hmm. I play Catan with like three, four players max, uh, I'm good. Three is probably ideal for me for timelines. If you get into five or six people, uh, mm. it, it's excruciating. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, I, I just, I, I can't, I don't know if I have attention deficit or I, I just can't, like I, I cannot sit there for that long, especially the, the, the turn, how long it takes for the turn to come back mm -hmm. around. It's, uh, I find it quite painful. So with this campaign, uh, you know, 
this is not your first time doing this particular game. So you tried to launch this one over a year ago. Um, I believe you pulled that campaign, correct? I did. I canceled that. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you learned on that prior campaign that you've changed going into this one? So kind of at a top level, what are kind of the big, big buckets of what you changed? So the biggest things, um, hundred percent was uh, graphic design, yeah. uh, is so critical. Um, even just put a look at the game and, and most people will just say, oh, the art looks different, but it, the art, I guess the art are, are the images. The graphic design is the template of the card, mm. the template of the board. Um, so I completely overhauled that um, because I had done it myself previously. I self-taught on Affinity Designer and Affinity Photo. And I was like, I was learning these things. I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe it doesn't look so bad if I do it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it looks pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Now it's now I got a professional to do it, um, and it looks so much better. Oh, it looks slick. There's no doubt about that. It's it, it's a visually very appealing game for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, if you noticed, I had a funding goal of thirty-five thousand in my yeah. previous campaign. Um, so I didn't really. Um, I, I had a couple of reputable manufacturers I was quoting with, um, but they were the bigger ones, say mm. fifteen hundred million water quantities. Um, so my, my goal was unrealistic. I didn't realize how much kind of goes into um, community building and, and building a following. Um, it, it's a lot, uh, especially if you're a first time creator. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so one, I definitely wanted to shave, up, shave down the goal uh, and I managed to do that. So it's now 10,000. Um, and uh, I found a manufacturer, again, reputable, but that does 500 minimum order quantity. So that's a big. And is the plan that if, I guess, if you get your funding to a certain level and it justifies it, then you can lower that cost even more on your end, which you can invest maybe in mm -hmm. upgrades or whatever, if you mm -hmm. can do like a, like a thousand. And I assume you're printing this in China, are you? Or where are you printing it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What are some so of the other things you changed? Um, well, there's, uh, there was added content. Um, so, uh, definitely new heroes and new equipment and things that I added kind of through the year. How many um, unique cards are there on that note? Cause that was one thing I was going through. I was like, there's, there's a lot of cards in, it's a lot. in the city it's, deck and the event. How, how many, how many unique pieces of art do you have? Ooh, good question. Um, definitely. I want to say like somewhere in the realm of uh, probably like uh, between hundred, 150. Maybe. Wow. Pieces. Yeah, because it's it's almost 300 cards um, and probably closer to 150. How long did it take to put that together? Like I'm just mm -hmm. like 150 pieces of art is is a huge number, right? Was this yeah. has this been in the making for like more than two years? Would you say or five years? This game five years. Yeah, so I probably started buying art around four years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've got um, so I've worked with four different artists. Um, I've got, I'd say three doing the bulk of the work, um, and they're all pretty, pretty similar in their styles. Um, so that's kind of helped me because I've, I've been able to get more done at once. Of yeah. course, it's also more costly, but, <laughs> but it's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, for me, that's, that's one of the, one of uh, the most exciting things is getting a piece of art back once you've given direction of what you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, is it all digitally um, drawn or is it like 
painted yeah, it's and scanned. Digital. Digitally drawn. So yeah. again, if they need to make edits, it's not as bad as if you're scanning something that's been painted, so to speak, right? Exactly. And then I noticed the the intro video on your Kickstarter page. And again, anybody listening or watching, at the very least, do your favor, do yourself a favor and, and watch the intro video. It is very, very high production value on the very well done. Like did, where did you outsource that to? Like, I got to give props to whoever did that video. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was um, actually a friend of mine who worked with, uh, uh, worked with him before. Um, he uh, based in Wales, but now I think he believe he lives in Spain um, and he's not in the board game industry at all. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just does amazing work. <laughs> yeah, like the ambiance, the the voiceovers, like just the whole package. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it was really like a wow. <laughs> That's I want to I want to get the contact with that guy when I do my next video yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so what are some of the other things you changed? So I, I noticed mm-hmm. that this is I think is this a three week campaign you have right now? Uh, yeah, running for seventeen days. And was it that long before? Was it longer before? I think I, I think I had it for a month before. And then why the change? Why did you decide to um, go shorter this time? Because uh, really, I mean, um, majority I find come on the or we'll, we'll back on the first day. Yeah. And then uh, like let's say let's say like forty five to fifty percent on the first day, and about maybe forty percent on the last day, and then the rest is kind of spread out through the middle of the campaign. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think in particular, I think it was a good decision for me because, um, being, I'm, I'm not like necessarily kind of a CMON where like every day is a new stretch goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to make the, the campaign exciting throughout. So I need to make sure that I've got enough content to fill that. Um, and definitely if you're not unlocking stretch goals every day, it's, it's difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, a shorter campaign means I can get going on the game faster. So kind of a got bonus. It. Now, you've got the manufacturing, everything all lined up. Is there any main things that, like, what's the biggest kind of work to be done, like, when, when you finally close the campaign? Yeah, I think I think probably the biggest um, work to be done, and some of it has, has already been done, is just um, getting the files ready for the manufacturer. Um, other, otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, putting together the pledge manager, kind of the typical things that you would go through in a campaign, but um, everything's there. So all, all the files are, are pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, the campaign was, was reading uh, some of the comments when uh, you did this uh, the last time around, right? Some mm-hmm. of the key learnings you, you, you've brought forward. Um, one of the things you said is you wanted to have more uh, in-person playing with people mm-hmm. at conventions and so forth. And this is literally right before COVID hit. So yeah, <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> so it may not have happened, but how did, how did you kind of pivot? What was, what did you do instead? Like you must've done something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, unfortunately, like as soon as that, as soon as that happened, uh, mid-March, really my game didn't get played until it got up on tabletop simulator again. Nice. Uh, I was able to, um, I was able to play um, a two-player game, but I, I mean, as you know, um, here we were locked down. Like I think Toronto is the most locked down city in North America. Starting Saturday uh, again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I was limited to one other person. So actually I wish I had a two-player version of my game, but <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, I, is it publicly available on Tabletop Simulator? Like, if somebody is, wants yeah. to try this game and play it, like, is that something they can do? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, the cool thing is, um, I invested in it, and I've got um, somebody that that implemented it that is really good at scripting. Okay. Um, so all the setup is automated. So you just have to push, uh, put put down your scenario, press the button, and it everything just goes out. That's decks, awesome. Decks get shuffled. Everyone gets their cards. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Uh, we did this on a on a recent game as well. Um, you know, which is a card-based game. We won't talk about that one, but it is mm -hmm. on Kickstarter right now. Um, but the the, <laughs> the card really to my 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 it might be related to that pillow behind you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but there's the part uh, of setting up the board was so like it's time-consuming in a digital. Like you can do it quickly, like mm -hmm. bang, 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 bang. When you're you have physical cards, but when you're actually having to manually cursor over and deal a card at a time and get it in the right spot, mm -hmm. it's excruciating. You're gonna suck up so much time and in. in so if you can automate that where you click a button and the system shuffles and deals to everybody and bang, you're ready to play. Mm -hmm. uh, that's awesome because mm -hmm. hopefully people enjoy it and they want to play another game. Say, oh, let's, let's play one more. Okay. Hit the button, reset it and, and away you go. Um, now, is there a link on your website or anything that, how can people find that yeah. quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. Uh, so I do have it on my website. Um, so that's paranoiarising.com uh, okay. slash vigilante. Um, so I've got a link to tabletop simulator there. I've also got a link to the campaign there. So apologies that if I didn't send the right one to you, uh, right. yeah, but, um, yeah, just, uh, please and then, check it out. And just for anybody that is looking for that, I want to make sure it's clear. It's paranoia rising, mm -hmm. not paranoid rising. Right. Cause you won't, you won't find you it. So paranoia yeah. rising, find the website. There's a link on there. Um, maybe you can even arrange some, some, you know, mm -hmm. some tests with some people who want to play get, uh, maybe, can bless them with your 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 turn at the table and uh, see if they can take the um, take the game creator down. I, I always yeah. find that funny when you play games with people, a game that you've created, mm -hmm. you are target number one. Like people just love the bragging rights of being able to take the person who created the game down, which I think is just uh, just awesome and hilarious. Which they have done. Um, so actually, on my group, um, Vigilante Heroes and Mercenaries, um, there I I am setting up um, tabletop simulator kind of. Um, teaching games so oh, cool. if anyone wants to uh, learn then definitely uh, join the group and i'll be setting those up and again that group is paranoia rising as well or uh so that so that's a facebook group called uh vigilante heroes and mercenaries vigilante heroes and mercenaries mm -hmm. maybe what we'll do is i'll get a link for that one as well sure. we'll stick that in the show notes because that sounds like an absolute blast so people can try mm -hmm. that um so what after this game is kind of funded and done like what do you what's the next thing coming like are you already focused on your next social deduction game or, or what are you guys working on yeah um the biggest uh the one that's furthest along after vigilante is uh vigilante story mode so um uh, it's a cooperative game so there's no social deduction uh, there is player interaction but not social deduction um unless somebody wants to be the traitor uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a uh it's it's a kind of like a legacy style game. So you you play through a story and um, you build a team of heroes and those heroes and the equipment carry through from chapter to chapter. Um, and there are going to be replayable uh, chapters. So That's the idea cool. is that you get more scenarios out of it, but also all the cards are compatible with Vigilante. So you can add more cards into Vigilante, have more replayability, so is it like, so just so I'm clear, so is this like a, an expansion, like a standalone expansion that you don't need the base vigilante to, to own? 
but once you own it, if you own Vigilante, you can add to Vigilante to make Vigilante even bigger. Is that, is that what you're saying? You've got it. Yeah. Okay. And is there going to be a solo version of that as well? I yeah, know Richard Mack be, is uh, in the uh, lobby asking that. So I got perfect. Get that question in there. <laughs> yeah. One to four players. That's, that's what, we, that's what I'm playing right now. I still got to see if I want to up that to one to five, but definitely solo mode. Oh, that's super cool. And then, so when is that going to come in? Is that like another Kickstarter coming after this one? Is it going to happen this year? Or how, how does that, how does that come about? So I'm definitely going to wait until, um, until Vigilante is delivered um, before creating another campaign. Okay. Um, but kind of in the interim, um, it's, it still hasn't gone through blind playtesting, um, but it's gone through lots of playtesting. Um, and it's in a really good place right now. Um, I've got, I want to say about half the art already. Oh, awesome. Um, so yeah, it's pretty far along. And same artists, right? So it's all going to kind mm -hmm. of fit. I yep. saw on uh, I saw a post today, and I'm not sure who it was that posted it. It was regarding I don't even I can't remember the game, but the picture showed the the expansion cards were a different size than the person's regular cards. Like, and the artwork doesn't even match. And what the heck is going on with this? So it's so crucial that if you're going to kind of build out this universe, right, and build out this story and these characters, and you want these different games to kind of work together it's important to use the same artists, right? And things like yeah. that. So that's, uh, so that's awesome. And then, so th uh, this one vigilante, when does it hit? Um, is it going to ship? Like what's the, the ship date? So I've got the, uh, I've got the delivery date uh, set for March of next year. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, I've backed over a hundred Kickstarters and I know how delayed things get. Yeah. <clears throat> so the March is really um, a heavily buffered date. So I'm going to deliver this thing as soon as I can. I can promise you nobody would have predicted that a ship would have got stuck in the Suez Canal. No. Right? And stopped. <laughs> it literally stopped global shipping for a week. Like, <laughs> stuff yeah. happens, right? So you can't predict everything. You can kind of do your best to say, you know, we think we're going to hit this date. We're going to put some buffer in there to cover it off. Um, but ultimately, you got to, you know, obviously you're going to get games to your backers as fast as you can. And uh, it's always better to be early mm -hmm. than to be late. That's for sure, right? And Austin Powers' uh, popularity has skyrocketed since then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Reed, so once again, so if people want to uh, back this Kickstarter, go on Kickstarter and just literally type in Vigilante, you'll find it. Um, I'm going to update the link in our show notes so people can find that very quickly. We're also going to add in the uh, the Facebook group. So if people want to join the Facebook group and, and try this game out and play with other people and organize some uh, playthroughs while they wait for their game to come, maybe build your expertise. Uh, mm -hmm. So when you actually get your physical copy, you can uh, you can crush other people, which is always fun to do in, in board games. Uh, we'll put that in there as well. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I want to wish you all the best of success with this campaign. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. You take care. Cheers. You too. Bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.